This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Monday, April the 8th, I'm your host, D.A., and tonight we have a national championship game in men's basketball. Virginia takes on Texas Tech, and Virginia is a one seed, so you might assume that they're supposed to be here, except they beat all the odds the last two games out, finding ways to pull out wins out of the fire in the waning seconds. And the latest one in the final four against Auburn, they had to avoid a double dribble call and then get a foul with 0.6 seconds left on the clock and then get three free throws to finally pull it out. So did Virginia win the game or did Auburn lose it? Let's start with the sports junkies on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. I think the Kyle guy three from the corner was the only bucket they scored field goal they scored in the last four and a half minutes. No, their offense was their offense down was the stretch. awful. And Auburn kept making free throws every time they went to the foul line until, Jared at, until that Kyle guy three. Harper hits the front end, misses the second end. But So you have the, drub, the uh, double dribble, and then you also have Kyle guy getting fouled on the three-point shot. Right. And some people believe that at the end of the game it's got to be more blatant. You swallow your whistle. Live, it didn't necessarily look like there was a foul. And actually, for a second or two, it looked like Auburn had advanced to the final. And then you saw the referees huddle up, and then they called a foul, and they were going to the replay to see where his feet were. Um, I have less of a problem with that, but some people believe if you're going to call something like that, which would be dubbed maybe a soft foul, you should have caught the double dribble. Did, did you see the clip of the idiot Auburn fan who thought that they had won the game? <laughs> he... He goes to the camera, I guess it's stationed in the arena behind the crowd section, uh, pours an entire beer over his head in celebration, thinking Auburn had won the game. And then they cut to about five minutes later, he was being arrested by <laughs> by the personnel inside the arena because I guess he was so beside himself as to what transpired and how the game ended. So, I mean, you know it, what it I was, was a wild scene. But are you, know, you, I, you know what I was surprised by is when Auburn only had their four team fouls and Virginia still wasn't in the bonus, I was surprised that they didn't let more time tick before committing the foul. So right when they inbound the right, ball, right, right. right when they inbound the ball, it was like they're, a split they're fouling. Yeah. I would let Jerome or Guy get the ball, or Clark, whoever it was, dribble a couple times, then foul. They were right. fouling immediately. Yeah, but by the end of it, you're by the end of the two fouls, after the double dribble, this it comes the second foul. There's yep. only one point one point seven. Yeah, seven yeah. seconds left. So no, I'm talking about when there was five, seven seconds left. Then well, they fouled. It was five. Then they fouled. It was. If four. you really want to talk about the mistake, you know where I think the mistake is. How do you let Kyle Guy shoot a three when you're up by four? I'm putting. You mean the the one that he yeah, made? Yeah, the previous possession. Well, dude, the guy was draped all over him. I, I mean, understand that, but I'm a foul the dribbler guy. I've, I'm yeah, consistent yeah. there. But are you? I mean, that was a low percentage shot. 
Understood. But I don't let somebody have the opportunity to shoot that three. I yeah. said, well, charity stripe. You're up by four, foul him. Most he gets his two. Or they have to execute a crazy back tap again. I, you should be a college hoops consultant. Well, there are a lot of people that do that. Sure. Yeah. Well, he made it, and then obviously Harper missed that second free throw. They did the, the foul bit. And but then, are people upset about that you had double the controversial dribble? play. 800-636-1067. Should UVA be in the final? How can referees, who are supposedly the best in the business, miss something like that? And then, I mean, to call it human I, error. I saw a, a tweet of I think it was when Syracuse was in the national championship. When Syracuse won the national championship, Mello was on the team. Mm. Bayheim's only national championship. That was a close game, right? Oh yeah. And I think it came down maybe to a last shot. Who did they beat in the in the final? Does Kansas. Kansas. And Kansas, somebody took a shot at the buzzer and got mugged. Didn't yeah. call it. Ref swallowed the whistle. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, well, look, the foul on Guy was a clear foul. That should have been called. Now, before that. But sometimes the, that's not called because they think that the player and guy wasn't doing it. They do that Reggie Miller kick looking for the action. But he wasn't. He and wasn't the referee was case. right on top of it. I think that was an appropriate call. Yeah, he was fouled. The missed double Especially dribble when is just unfortunate, and I think that they were looking for fouls, not really paying attention. And somebody pointed this out afterwards, that typically when a guy dribbles it off the back of their leg, it goes way back. You know what I mean? Undoubtedly, Kyle Guy deserves credit for hitting those free throws and the three-pointer before that. And undoubtedly, Auburn can't even be near the shooter to get a foul call in that instance. Can't even be near him. But the refs missing the double dribble is a terrible miss. And the way that Purdue allowed Virginia to win that game as well last weekend kind of suggests that Virginia's gotten pretty lucky in these two games. Meantime, with these two programs, neither one of which has a big national aura, neither one of which have a big national presence, what is tonight's game going to look like? There's been some critical things written about the matchup, specifically by Yahoo Sports' Pete Thamel, about how this could be the lowest-rated championship game ever and that this should be a wake-up call to the NCAA. Hey, your sport might become more and more irrelevant, especially when there's no one-and-done rule so that the Zion Williamsons and Anthony Davises of the world have to play in college. Is that criticism fair or unfair? Here's Sports Radio 610 in the loop in Houston. And I've been critical of the quality of, of product of the tournament in the past, but anybody who actually wa- likes basketball who's watched this is enjoying it. You know bad basketball when you see it. I know bad basketball when I see this it. This was not it. And, and 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 because it's March Madness I'm watching, I think this is just a dorky-ass media type mm-hmm. that is saying this because he's talking from a perspective of having to cover college basketball all season long. I can agree with what he's saying as far as his overall narrative that college basketball could be in trouble – from a regular season perspective, without guys like Zion, I agree with that. But if every college basketball tournament was played like the one that we've watched so far, the ratings would continue to increase, which they have so far. I think the tournament is going to be better, uh, uh, even though you know there's not going to be the, the one and dones there. I, I really do, just because it's going to be more team. And for me, and I, I'm biased. You know how I feel about you know college basketball and just the the the, the strategies involved and the, and the way they play. I just love watching it. Uh, but I think because there's going to be more games, teams like this, games like this, it's going to be good, solid uh, basketball, good shooting. Uh, you know, when it when the when you get the open shots, I think I think this has been a great tournament, and these two teams 
clearly are the two best. Ratings are actually up this year compared to last. They're they're uh, they're up on TBS, uh, but they're down on CBS. And I think that that explanation is actually pretty easy. I think that has to do with the cord cutting because a lot mm-hmm. of people are streaming now and it's it's harder to get local channels. So I think that explains it. But the ratings as a whole are are a little bit up. I want to ask you this, John Lopez. Do you think this is okay for what they're doing in, in Lubbock? Because this email was sent out yesterday to all students at Texas Tech. After 5 p.m. today and all day Tuesday, all classes are canceled mm-hmm. at Texas Tech. They'll resume classes on Wednesday. Do you think this is okay? I have no problem with it. I really don't. Uh, there, there's some guys at Texas Tech, believe it or not, uh, that probably don't even really, you know, they're not just don't like sports. You know, they're probably obviously aware of what Texas Tech is doing, but they're not going to watch the game. They're not gonna, but that town is going nuts. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, you, you think unfortunately, so? in some ways, more than others. Uh, but no, that that's I got no problem with that. You? I mean, kinda. Really? Kinda. Just a little bit. Why? Well, because I just think that this is taken away from the real rebels who would have cut class anyway on Tuesday. I, th- oh, I think want, I think you got to make a commitment. You want the story? Yeah, I think if you want to <laughs> if you want to skip class on Tuesday, then do what many college students did, including myself, and skip class on Tuesday when you see fit. I think this is taken away from the people who are actually committed, and it's mm-hmm. allowing the slackers that would have gone to class regardless instead of partying all day. It's allowing them to go there. So yes, I do kind of disagree with it. Um, I mean, I I see your point, but I also feel like. Part of me would want to go to class the next day, just to, especially if the team wins, if the Red Raiders win, so you can just kind of brag and bounce around and be giddy all day with uh, it, well, I guess you could do that anyway with your friends in the dorm or your room or what apartment or whatever. But uh, I have no problem with this. I think it's I think it's, it's that big. It's big enough to do that. Without guys like DeAndre Ayton, Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis. Kevin Durant, guys that were one and done and became stars or superstars in college basketball and beyond. Yeah, without that, there's going to be something lost in terms of the national cachet in college basketball. And I think the big picture that Thamel is trying to get to was, with that on the horizon, the people of the NCAA may want to develop a hard plan of how to counter that. Because if all they do is wait and see, oh, I wonder how this will affect us, it'll already be too late. Rick Barnes has built a successful program at Tennessee, this year being a two-seed, winning 30 games of the regular season. But now there's rumors that he could leave for UCLA. Let's go down to 92.9 in Memphis, as Jeff Calkins has on Vol Beat Rider, 24-7 sports writer, Wes Rucker. What in the world is going on with Rick Barnes? I, 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 I look on Twitter last night, and I say that Rick Barnes is in uh, discussions or in the conversation for the UCLA job. I think to myself, oh, come on, this is just Rick getting a salary bump. But people seem to think this there might be something to this. What what say you? Yeah, there's definitely something to it, Jeff. You know, I, I have not heard from anyone yet this morning, but uh, as of late last night, I mean, he was still seriously considering – Whatever UCLA was offering him, so yeah, I mean that—that's a sixty-four-year-old Rick Barnes at this stage in his career, moving three thousand miles away when he already has a good job. Yeah, I didn't expect that coming, but uh, I mean, it, it's for whatever reason now it, it seems possible. I think we'll know here pretty soon, but um, yeah, it's, <laughs> you never know covering Tennessee when when you're going to get uh, what you're going to get that day. But uh, yeah, that this is uh, this is a very surprising development to say the least. Why? 
what what if you were why why to the extent, for all the reasons you just mentioned, we can imagine why he wouldn't do it, right? He's got the program going at Tennessee. He's got all the money and all the support that he needs. He's um, he's sixty four years old. He's just coming off a great year. He's it, it, why would he do this if it we're doing this as opposed to just trying to get a big raise? Yeah, the, that's kind of the the really interesting question right now. Is is you know, there, there's been some questions. Does he have some questions about Tennessee's administration, Tennessee's leadership in some way? Does, um, you know, like you said, is this the obvious thing? Is this, you know, he, some sort of a ploy to either get more money for himself or for his assistant coaches, which uh, I know in the past Rick Barnes has cared more about um, what his assistants make than what he makes. I mean, he thinks at this stage in his life he already has money, so I don't know why he would suddenly start caring more about that. You know, Rick, you know, I don't know if many people know this. Rick serves as his own agent. So it, it's not like, yeah, it's not like he's got an agent. Who's it's trying not to like get Sexton's out there. It's not like Sexton's out there floating the name just to like in, in the, in the genius way that he does. Yeah, basically. I mean, that, that's, I mean, Rick Barnes is essentially sort of old school that after every season he has a meeting with his administration and says, Hey, if you want me to resign, I will. But if not, let's keep doing this. I mean, that, that's how he is. It really is kind of amazing that. Um, that he kind of serves as his own agent in this era, but he does. And so here we are. I mean, I I, I think we're going to know an answer on this one way or another pretty soon, but uh, I think hopefully when, when that happens, we'll also learn the reasons why this is a possibility in the first place. Is he beloved in Knoxville? I would say so. Um, you know, maybe a tiny bit less so than he was this time yesterday, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think I think that he's, I'm not saying they're going to build a statue for the guy or anything yet, but he's pretty beloved here. He's he's kind of the he's kind of almost kind of the mayor here right now, you know, so to speak. I mean, he's uh, you go ask anybody around town, you ask him about Rick Barnes, you're going to get a good answer. Man, I don't know if UCLA is a better job. I mean, historically speaking, of course, UCLA has all the titles with. John Wooden, but there's only been one championship after that, and that was in 1995 with Jim Herrick. It's a hard place to win, obviously. And there's been a lot of reasons perhaps why, but let's look at the Pac-12 right now. Would you rather have Pac-12 money or SEC money? If I'm Rick Barnes, I'd rather have SEC money. Now, clearly there's a lot of talent in California to recruit, but is that really a better job these days than what you got humming along right now in Knoxville? I wouldn't think so. In football this weekend, you would think in April we'd be done with Antonio Brown drama, but we're not because A.B. takes an unsolicited shot at Juju Smith-Schuster on Twitter over the weekend, questioning why they would give the team MVP to Juju after he fumbled in Week 16 against the New Orleans Saints and essentially ended their playoff hopes. Why is A.B. still consumed with Juju Smith-Schuster? Shouldn't he just let it go Here's the Fan Morning Show on 93.7 in Pittsburgh. You thought we were done with the Fan Morning Show and A.B. talk. Now is the time for Juju to just disengage, to not even yep. be worried about it, to be finished with it, to be done with it. Antonio Brown, though, is total psychopath stuff. This guy can't keep any of his handlers around for more than 30 days. He constantly cycles through different people. People get onto his act, and you know... It wasn't like this like 20 months ago, or it wasn't like this about 15 months ago. A.B., there's something wrong with the guy. I pointed this out 
first, like a little over a year ago, I said, it's gone from the innocent, playful, smiles all the time, A.B., to dark, mean, nasty Antonio Brown. And I don't get it. I think, and I'll say it, and I don't care to say it, there's something medically wrong with this guy. I feel that way. That's my something's, opinion. Something's happened to him over the last couple of years, whether just his mentality has changed, whether something's happened to the chemistry of his brain. I have no idea, but I know that the guy clearly, clearly, this this put the nail in the coffin of the argument for me that this wasn't about Juju winning the MVP. This was all about him f- losing his mind week 17 and walking off was all about Juju getting the recognition from the teammate from his team that AB did not get and that's what set him off and you look it's all right there he's put himself out there on social media and you can see what he's about now and i keep thinking about this jim if you are a raiders fan and you think okay this is what we want this is the guy new start uh turn the page it's a guy who needs a change of scenery and he can't cut the cord to Pittsburgh and being jealous of Juju or paying attention to Juju or looking back at Pittsburgh. You've got to be a little bit disappointed this morning. Like, hey, man, I thought you were just going to brush all that stuff. I I thought you were different than what was advertised. If I'm a Raiders fan, and I don't know how many are left, especially because they're moving to Vegas, but I'm not real happy with this guy right now. He hasn't even taking a practice snap for me. Hey, forget about Raiders fans. What about Derek Carr? What about right. John Gruden? What about right. Mike Mayock? What about you know any other guys on the team? Um, and what's weird here is that now how many people must troll him? And if he reacted to some anonymous guy mm-hmm. sending something to him on Twitter, that and and all the, he must get hundreds of those things daily, and then he picks that one out to respond to when there's really no reason. Well, you it know, goes back to then, Jim, if you work right. the timeline backwards, that there was there was truth in the fact that he was upset that Juju was the MVP. Yeah, it did. I I don't know what other conclusion you can you can draw from it, uh, but it's and and this is it, and we we said this was going to happen that every you know you go a week without AB doing something and then boom AB yeah. does something. Well, yeah. and and I love the fact too that. Everybody else in the world outside of Pittsburgh is now finally coming around to the fact that AB's not this great, charming guy. Oh, like you hear the Boomer Sports update. Right. right? And and it'll be all over the the hot take TV shows today that Antonio. I'd love to hear how this is somehow Juju's fault or, or Ben's fault or the Steelers' fault that Antonio Brown, now that he's out of Pittsburgh and away from those awful, mean, nasty Steelers. Is still acting like there, this. And that's, I think that's a great point because there can't be any more holdovers now. No. Like, doesn't today end it in terms of Ant- being on Antonio Brown's side? Who, who, can, who can be a neutral observer, an objective uh, observer? How can you still defend him and, at this And look point? at this and say, you know what? It's everybody else's fault. And that has to Whose end. fault is it now? Right? It, it has to be his fault. It has to be his jealousy. And it has to be the way he's viewed, um, you know, kind of young guys who are trying to take a little bit of a spotlight. This guy's a lunatic. Well, this is just a terrible look for Antonio Brown, and it just underscores that right now this guy is petty, and he's small, and he's pathetic. I mean, you've got your new team. You directed yourself to the franchise you wanted to go to. You didn't want to go to Buffalo, so you nixed that deal. You got the new contract in Oakland, and you're still taking shots and consumed with Pittsburgh. The Steelers did the right thing in finally getting rid of him. If he's going to be this consumed with them, that could only be a distraction. And Ben Roethlisberger has blame, and Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert do as well in the front office. 
But let's face it, the Steelers might have had addition by subtraction while taking Antonio Brown's neuroses out of the situation right now. Last week, we talked about an interview that I had on my show on CBS Sports Radio with David Irving, the former Cowboys defensive tackle, who called it a question, Jason Garrett's comfort with people of color. The guys on Sports Radio 610 in Houston, Mad Radio, joined in the discussion and asked if David Irving is just the wrong guy to make this claim. This is the hard part, is that it's David Irving. And that as, as Landry pointed out, David Irving pointed out the two guys that he's had troubles with, uh, the coaches that he's had in his career working with, were the only college coach he's ever had and the only NFL coach he's ever had. So David Irving's had multiple suspensions. Basically this spring said he was going to retire so he could smoke weed as he was smoking a blunt, like, uh, on, on camera. Yes. And I, like the response I got from this from a lot of players, both black and white, was, uh, dude, you're, you're not the guy. Like, you're not, like, David <laughs> Irving, nobody's gonna be listening to you about this. It just, the, you're not the guy, like, you're, you're sitting there saying, well, look, uh, I don't know why Jason Garrett couldn't get along with me, because I can roll out of bed hungover and outperform everybody, and so it's obviously because he's, he can't handle black people. Like, if anything, I feel like David Irving, David Irving and lumping himself with other black football players is doing a huge disservice to black football players because most of the guys that I know bust their asses. So, like, to think that Jason Garrett's big issue with David Irving would have been that he can't get along with black guys while all the other black guys on the football team are showing up on time for meetings and not getting suspended for easily easily beat drug tests uh like it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't pass the sniff test there's a lot of things that i don't find particularly impressive about jason garrett and i would submit this to you i think jason garrett strikes me as the kind of guy who's not comfortable around a lot of people of many races he's an awkward dude that's my thought like i think listen I'm not black, nor have I ever played for Jason Garrett. What? So, Prove it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just throwing that out there. But I'm listening to this David Irving audio, and I'm thinking, like, Jason Garrett is just a socially awkward dude. The way he claps and the way his, just the way he operates as a human being. And I'm awkward myself, but I'm listening to this, and I'm like, how do we know that Jason Garrett is, in fact, uncomfortable with people, with people of color? Well, He's been in football forever. Now, there is also, like, you could say, all right, some some white guys are so white that they're just not, it's not that they're uncomfortable specifically around black people, but the, the, the difference is particularly stark when they're around black people. Because you're like, wow, this dude, this ginger has a complete absence of soul. So <laughs> when I see him in this setting, if, if I'm a black guy and I'm around this soulless ginger, I'm going to be like, whoa, this, guy, this guy's not comfortable around me. And I can understand where David Irving, especially because, uh, to be honest, David Irving's high all the time. Uh, who's he to be a judge of what? Anybody? Probably a little paranoid, a little paranoid about what people are thinking of him. Based off of my impressions of Jason Garrett from that Amazon show where they went inside the Dallas Cowboys and he was swearing, I thought, for the effect of swearing, and it just came across as awkward the whole time, I... I can sort of see where David Irving is going, but I 100% just base this off of the way that Jason Garrett looks. And I I entirely admit that because I think Jason Garrett looks awkward, I think he is, when he is in the locker room, I think he's acting like Michael Scott, like going up to some of these players. And he's like, hey, what's, yo, David, (laughs) what's up, dog? He he got got the latest Drake album, man. I I don't think he tries, I don't think he would try that, like, which actually makes him more real and genuine. But if (laughs) if I'm trying to pick, Picture like 
Jason Garrett walking into a club. <laughs> like, what's yeah, up, what's up? That it's would me, be, Jason. No, honestly, that would be one of the most awkward things I've ever seen. But but without specifically being about race. It's not about race. It's about soul. That's the difference here. It's about Remember soul. what David Irving said. Like, he needs to understand. It's not race. It's about soul and Jason Garrett's lack thereof. But it's not because he has any particular aversion to people with soul, it's just he has zero of it. You know what I mean? It'd be like, uh, hmm. poor gingers. <laughs> Our ginger audience be is like enraged be right like now. Me walking into like a, a group of like a, a group of women talking about some reality show, and me be like, "What's up, girls? How are you? How about those Kardashian gals?" <laughs> she sounds like a dad at all They'd times. Be like, I don't know about Seth. He doesn't seem comfortable around women. I'm like, well, not in that, not in that setting. Yeah, I think that Irving does not give himself much credibility. When he goes on Instagram and smokes a blunt talking about why he's going to retire. It's just not a look and a perception that most people are going to take seriously. And thus, anything else that you say after that, they wouldn't. If David Irving had stood up there in a three-piece suit, had a press conference, and discussed why he's retiring, and answered questions about how he felt like the drug policy was a hindrance, or it was outdated or prehistoric, and how he had a bigger cause in life... You know, then you start talking about Jason Garrett and maybe people listen to you. But the way that he's handled himself on and off the field has made people question his integrity and credibility. And I I totally understand that. Let's wrap up with the alliance. We are still shedding a tear around here that the AAF is no longer. And the enemy of the state is Tom Dundon. The guy that was supposed to be the angel sent from the heavens with all that money decided to awkwardly seemingly go against all of the grain of the rest of the league and pull the plug by saying it's because the NFL PA wouldn't join in. So what's going on with Tom Dundon now, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, who, by the way, just made the playoffs? Well, as you'll hear in this next clip, he's being very vague about the alliance at the end of it. Here's Tom Dundon on with the clubhouse with Kyle Bailey on WFNZ in Charlotte. You've been in the news. You're in the center of attention for a lot of reasons uh, right now concerning the AAF and, and all that's been happening over the past couple of days. So I'll just ask you simply, um, you know, seven weeks ago when we talked to you, you were very excited about the future of the Alliance of American Football. Now here we stand, and uh, it, it appears it is no more. What happened? Why is this league, uh, you know, why does it appear to be folding, and, and why is it over? Yeah, I, I can't really talk about it just because it's, you know, go, kind of going through the legal process of that. But, it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's definitely no more as of right now. Do you think, generally speaking, take the AAF out of it, what is your general opinion and what have you learned maybe in the last seven weeks about the viability of spring football in general, professional spring football, how viable can it be with the right circumstances in the future? Look, I think most ideas are viable if you execute it right and you have you have things go your way. And so, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't let what happened with the AAF be any indication of whether spring football is viable i think it's just you know the way the way this was done um didn't work and and but it doesn't mean it can't do you think the nfl wants it to work i don't know i mean i i we, i didn't i enjoyed my dealings with the people from the players union and the and the league and i, I think it's just a hard thing to make work but it i don't i hard for me to know what other people think uh, Tom, just to be clear, I know you, you. I heard you a minute ago when you said that you know you've got legal restrictions on what you can and cannot say. But just to be clear, you, it, it is over. This this venture is finished. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I you never you, you never know what's going to happen in the future, but it, you know, definitely at this moment, there's the league not operating. I really can't. Right, you know, I'm sorry to not I, give you guys no, no, no. anything. No, I, I look. I understand that. That's that's life. There are things you you can and can't talk about. We do appreciate the fact that you made the time, knowing you were probably going to get these questions anyway. Um, you know, and so I would just I would ask you this finally, if you know, if, when the point comes that you can talk about this, are you inclined to talk about this? Tell your side of the story and shed some light as to what really happened behind the scenes, because as you're well aware, there's a whole lot of speculation and a lot of it's not very flattering. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't worry about what people think. I, I, I try to live my life a certain way, and I'm pretty comfortable with, with all the decisions that were made, and, and, you know, disappointed that didn't get, didn't get the outcome you wanted. But yeah, I don't, I can't worry about what you, you go through life more about what people think. It's going to be a hard life. I understand. Tom Dundon, owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, majority owner of the AAF, and you heard Tom there a second ago. Uh, Tom, uh, going just last thing, Hurricanes, again, we appreciate you coming on. I've had a blast following this team. Talked to a lot of the people in that building last time we were out, and we promised them that we would be back. So hopefully we can catch up. We'll try to get out for one of those playoff games, and uh, we will, we'll talk to you soon. We appreciate the time. All right, guys. Have a good show. Thanks. All I can say is let's go Washington Capitals who will face off against Dundon's Carolina Hurricanes in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I I get that there's going to be some element of this that he can't talk about because of the legal process, but every question, every answer is vague around it, and I can't trust anything that dodgy Tom says. Every part of this smells like a rat when it comes to Tom Dundon, and I'm not going to trust dodgy Tom until I've got good reason to well down the line. Let's go Caps. That's the best of your sports talk for Monday, April the 8th. We'll see you tomorrow when we'll have a men's national championship crown. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on radio.com or the radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 